Thank you for listening to this sermon from Arapahoe Road Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the teaching of Dr. David Rogers, lead pastor of Arapahoe Road. For more information about our church and its ministries, please visit arapahoeroad.org. And now, here's Pastor David Rogers. nothing to brag about just just, <clears throat> just tell them about Felix <clears throat> okay well um, it was just another day nothing unusual about it just skip all that and tell them about Felix well I can't skip all that details are important in the story yeah the only important detail in the story is how God used our little Felix <laughs> I'm pretty sure that history is going to find everything else more important in this story Jesus rode on our donkey, Felix, into Jerusalem. <laughs> it's true, he did. He did. Okay, so I was sitting there one day, mending your temple garments. I'm always tripping over that thing. Yeah, <laughs> he's clumsy. <laughs> but he's my clumsy. So I'm sitting there sewing, and I look out the window, and I see these two guys, and they're untying Felix. Yeah, we, we generally keep them tied to the fence in the daytime, so we don't have to shut the gate, you know, when we come in and out, in case we want to take them someplace. We're sharing the details now. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so um, I come running outside, and I said, hey there, fellas, just, just what do you think you're doing? <laughs> hey there, fellas. <laughs> She's a tough cookie, this one, huh? <laughs> And all they said was, uh, the Lord needs it. That's it. No explanation. No, no, we'll bring him back. No, how much do you want for him? Just the Lord needs it. So I come home from work and I notice that Felix is missing. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to break the news to him that I let some strangers take our donkey. And that's when we heard all the shouting. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, and, and we rush to the door and, and we go outside and, and we just see throngs of people lining the streets. And they're all, they're waving their branches mm-hmm. and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And guess who is right in the middle of all of it? Jesus. Felix. What? <laughs> well, he, he was, I mean, he's just so proud of our Felix. I mean, God, Use Felix to carry Jesus in the Messiah parade. (laughs) I'm proud of this woman right here because we got to be used by God that day. Because you said yes. You said yes when everybody else would have said. By the way, Jesus gave Felix back. Ah, yeah, he did. <laughs> hmm. Jesus also borrowed a tomb later that week. He gave that back too. Is that not the greatest line? I love that line. He gave that tomb back as well. Well, while there's no record uh, of the donkey that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday actually being named Felix, 
Um, the story of this referenced triumphal entry is found in the Bible. It's found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. Would you take your Bible or open your Bible to Mark, chapter 11? Let's read this account of what was recorded uh, on that day that's known as Palm Sunday. Mark, chapter 11. We'll read the first 11 verses together. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. And they went away, and they found a colt tied at the door, outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest! And he entered Jerusalem. And went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So on this exciting day that progressed in Jerusalem, various details are, are not known uh, to us, such as the name of the donkey. Maybe he was named Felix. Maybe not. Probably not. We didn't know the names of the people that owned the donkey. Don't even know the names of the disciples that Jesus sent. But we do know that it, it was Jesus who was at the center of that palm parade of celebration and of, of hope. And, and the reason that there was such hope among all of those people that were in Jerusalem along that parade route it is because the people were beginning to believe something. They were beginning to believe that Jesus may in fact actually be their long-awaited Messiah that the Jewish people had been waiting on and waiting on and waiting on for centuries and centuries and centuries. And while Jesus certainly was indeed the center of the celebration, that little donkey that he was riding on, he was right there in all the frames too. I mean, if, if people had their iPhones out taking pictures, they would have captured the donkey that the Messiah was riding in on. He was there. That donkey was there. And the donkey, think about it with me. 
The donkey, although a seemingly very small detail in that grand moment, that little donkey conveyed a much larger message to all the masses who were there that day. And it probably began to trigger something in their historical memory bank. It triggered prophecies of the coming Messiah. The prophecy of how the Messiah would indeed enter into Jerusalem just when the time was right. It's referenced in the Old Testament writings of a prophet named Zechariah. I want you to listen to the words from this ancient prophet Zechariah. Just, just echo into that present day in Jerusalem where there was much rejoicing. And we just read about that triumphal entry. This was a part of the celebration. I believe there were many who were there that day that were thinking about what the prophet Zechariah had written so many years earlier, referencing this triumphal entry. In Zechariah chapter 9, Verses 9 through 13, it'll be on the screen. Follow along and just imagine how excited you would be if you're seeing what had been prophesied of the Messiah centuries earlier. Zechariah 9, beginning in verse 9, states, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous. And having salvation is he, humble and mounted where? On a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double, for I have bent Judah as my bow, I have made Ephraim its arrow. I will stir up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and wield you like a warrior's sword. That is strong messianic language. That is language that people living in desperation and oppression long to hear. To put it in modern day terms, if President Zelensky got word today that all of the United Nations around the world that, that, that see the atrocity happening, they're all coming in to give backup, you think he would be throwing down his cloak and waving a palm branch? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what's happening here in Jerusalem. People who have been oppressed so long see hope riding in. The people 
celebrating Jesus riding in on a donkey, truly, truly were having their hearts, having their minds flooded with the hopes of a long-awaited triumph that, that, that the anticipated Messiah would indeed bring. And they were shouting and they were celebrating because what their ancestors had hoped for it seemed to be unfolding before their very eyes. They're sitting there thinking, rescue is coming. The king is here. Our Messiah is arriving just like the prophet of old said he would. He's here. It's happening. And they're shouting and they're celebrating. Right before their eyes. Right before their eyes and everybody is joining in freedom is about to happen freedom from their roman oppressors was about to be more than just a promise long ago that some day in the future hopefully would come true in their eyes what they saw in these happy and jubilant scenes that was the start of a whole new life because jesus had shown up in this symbolic manner. You see, the, the Messiah on the donkey was a revelation of the arriving revolution in their minds. This was the start of everything changing. You see, had Jesus come riding in on a on a big stallion, it would have sent a totally different message that the Roman authorities in and around Jerusalem likely would have shut down. They would have pulled the plug on that really, really fast. I mean, think about it. An, an overt war horse being ridden into Jerusalem with such celebration, with a person who was as popular as, as Jesus in that moment. Now, that would have sent a totally different message as opposed to the subversive, quiet, humble little donkey, a meek donkey. You see, that donkey represented not only the fulfillment of prophecy, which, by the way, the Romans didn't read the Bible. That would have slipped right under their radar screen. What's going on? But you come riding in on a big war horse, they're drawing swords. We can't, we can't look past that. But a little donkey? Okay. Let's go watch the circus happen. That's what the Romans are sitting there thinking. The Jewish people, they're lining the streets and they are waving those palm branches. They are shouting with hopeful joy. Not just whatever comes to mind. They are shouting quotes from one of the most famous lines in one of the most famous psalms that they would have known by heart. Psalm 118 verses 25 and 26. They're crying out, Hosanna! 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Man, those lyrics. Those lyrics were special. Those lyrics to that psalm, they had such powerful, powerful language that the Jewish people rallied around and they would have been saying it and singing it and chanting it with gusto, with passion. Why? Because the word Hosanna was a cry that meant save us. Save us. That's what their ancestors had chanted centuries ago. And all of the Jews throughout the ages chanted it too. It was a rally cry and a cry of desperation. It was a cry for help by a people who had been oppressed for far too long in their estimation. The lyrics from this psalm were said each year. They were sung each year at this time in Jerusalem, the Passover time. They were words from a group of psalms that were known as Hallel Psalms. Psalm 113 through Psalm 118 are known as Hallel Psalms, and they are preeminently psalms of praise. And they're all associated with this important celebrated festival of remembrance known as Passover. The Passover celebrations, the, the, the sacrifices that were taking place of the Passover lambs in the temple. And, and the messianic overtones from the chanting and the singing of the crowds on that Palm Sunday. No doubt began to stir the dreams of a whole new Davidic dynasty among all of the people of God who were there that day. And as Dan said, those same chanting voices of save us would turn to crucify him within week's end. It's the start of what's known as Holy Week. As we walk with intentionality toward Calvary's cross. But little did the crowd realize that crucifying Jesus is what would save them. That's what would save them. A crucifixion that was on the horizon. Jesus' mission, his mission was to save the people from sin, death, Satan, and hell. Not just save them from Roman oppression. And Jesus, he didn't meet all the people's hopes of some mighty Messiah the longer the week went on. The vocal crowd that was there that day would soon realize Golly, Jesus isn't what I expected a Messiah to be. That's not the conquering king I had pictured in my mind. 
I had different expectations from what this reality is looking like. I mean, what true Messiah would start the week in a Palm Parade on Palm Sunday and then end up in such an embarrassing crucifixion just a few days later? That's the Messiah. That's an embarrassing naked Jew on a stick. That's not my Messiah. That's what they're thinking. See, see, that wasn't the trajectory of the salvation that they had anticipated. The rescue that they had been hoping for, praying for, longing for. They had something totally different in mind. Their expectations, they didn't line up with reality. Has that ever happened to you? Has that ever happened to you? Have you, you had the idea of one thing, you expected one thing, and then you kind of look around and you're like, that's not what I was thinking this was going to look like. That, that is as far from what I was expecting. Can we get a do-over here? I mean, have you ever, you ever had an idea of what something or someone what was going to be like in your mind? But then when you actually got into the situation or, or you started to get to know that person a little bit deeper, what you had in mind and what you experienced firsthand are like two totally different things there. What am I saying? I'm saying this. Our expectations and our realities do not always align in life. Is that true for anybody? Yes? Amen? Yeah, you're thinking about some things in your own life right now. Married people may agree that what they experience in marriage may be a little different than what they thought they were going to experience in marriage. Am I right? Don't say anything. You know, where's your wife this morning? Was she expecting something different? She's taking care of her mom. Mom had some shoulder surgery this week. So a lot of surgery happening in our families. So be praying for us. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if, 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 back to that marriage thought for a second, maybe you thought, yeah, you know, honeymoon is going to be one thing, and then that's what's going to be like for the rest of our marriage. I mean, till death do us part. And, and you, you get a little deeper into the marriage, and you've kind of been together for a while now, and you're thinking back, and you're going, you know what I thought on that night is not what I'm experiencing today. Things are a little different. Things have been altered. That's not really, I, it's, yeah, huh. I thought one thing, but this is what I'm experiencing now. I mean, it, it, it's been said by counselors performing premarital counseling. If you're thinking about getting married, whatever age and stage in life you're in, or remar I encourage you to do the hard work of premarital counseling because you can walk through some things that may align your expectations with what the reality really, really is. And, and some premarital counselors have said, you're really not going to know the person that you're getting married to until at least three to six months into the marriage. 
And they're like, why would, a pre, why would a premarital counselor say something like that? Well, because a lot of people can fake it. You've heard the old fake it till you make it? <laughs> yeah, but you, you, you start getting tired after a while, and then the real you just shows up. You're like, I didn't, who are you? That's the real me, baby. Yeah, you get all of this. All right. Okay, thank you. Thank you. See, you can't go through a whole till death do us part marriage pretending. You, you, you can't be fake that long. At some point, the real you is going to come out because you just get tired of putting up a front. And friends, that is why it is so important that you marry a person beyond just what that person looks like on the outside. What does that person look like on the inside? Are you willing to do the hard work to ask the hard questions so that expectations and reality are more in alignment? I mean, there's a reason that the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote about Joining your life together with another person, one man, one woman, equally yoked is what he talks about, equally yoked. That means the real you of you and the real you of that other person, they're plowing in the same direction. No surprises. You're in alignment about the things that matter most in life. Do you reserve the right to change your mind and grow? Of course. But on the things that really matter, man, what you're expecting and what reality is, if you're equally yoked, you're going to be okay. You're going to have to work at it. And God's going to have to lead you through. But you're going to be okay. If you're equally yoked, if you're not, man, your expectations are on a crash course of being shattered and you likely are going to experience a whole lot of pain, a whole lot of regret when you find out that you probably aren't going to change that person to become like you want him or her to become. What you think about something, what you think about somebody, man, it can be built up in your mind one way, and you can expect one thing, and then when you get there, you can experience something totally different, be that marriage or, 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 or how money may make you happy or think that it will make you happy or how transferring from the situation that you're in into another situation is going to be so much better. Well, maybe it is. Maybe it won't be. Or as we're talking about today from the text, what a long-awaited Messiah may or may not actually end up being like. Our expectations don't always match up with our reality. That is so true when it comes to our expectations and the reality 
that we experience with God. We may think about God one way in our mind. And yet our reality with God may be a totally different experience. Especially at different seasons in our lives. I love what Eugene Peterson, one of my favorite authors and uh, incredible pastor who's since gone to be with the Lord. He says some, something really insightful about those who are, are earnestly trying to read the Bible and understand the Bible and who God is based on what the Word of God says, what He wants for our lives. Look what Peterson says. He says this, Every careful reader of the Bible is struck by how odd and unaccommodating it is to what we are used to and what we expect. What Eugene Peterson is saying is that sometimes our expectations about God and what we actually experience and see God doing in reality, those things don't always line up. So what does that mean for us? It means we still have some growing to do. It means we've got some places in our life that need to change. You know, give me some examples of what you're talking about. Uh, let me do that. Some things that Jesus said. Some things that Jesus did. It kind of blows our mind of maybe what we were expecting. Jesus says this. He said, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's not what we expected Jesus to probably say. I mean, on down the line, yeah. But like when he said it, no way. No way. Jesus said this. The greatest among you shall be your servant. That's not what we expected. That's not what we expected in a dog-eat-dog world. No way. Jesus went on to say this, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's not what we expected Jesus to say. I mean, Jesus is the King of kings, yes? He's the Lord of lords, yes? And he was born where? In a stinky stable? That's not what I expected of a king. I mean, who starts the game by running that play? Probably not us. Because a king wears what? A, a, a crown of gold and he, he sits upon... A throne of gold to be worshipped. And yet Jesus wears a different kind of crown in the story. He wears a crown of thorns and he hangs on a cross as people spit on him and mock him. That is not what we expected of a victorious Messiah who's going to rescue us, who's going to save us. Nobody goes to the huddle and draws up that play and says, that's the touchdown play right there. That will win the game. Nobody thought that. So let me just ask you a question. What are your expectations of God today? What are your expectations of God today? Our expectations about life and, 
and who God really is, they begin to get reshaped. They begin to come into proper alignment the more we get to know who God really is and what this life God has created us for is really, really all about. And that, that is true of us today just as it was true of those who were lining the parade route on that first Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago. Friends, I'm telling you, the more time you invest reading the Bible, the more, the, the more you see expectations of people and, and who they understand God to be beginning to shift, beginning to be shaped as they, as they move forward in life and as they begin to experience God in different ways. And what may, what, what may have seemed clear in one instance that you thought may become a little bit murky regarding the Messiah in the next track. He said, what? Give away? Bless and not curse? If someone strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek? And not just to really get some force behind the bow. That's not what I expected of the Messiah. I mean, think about it. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be until after Jesus had walked all the way through Holy Week. Eventually being crucified, buried, resurrected that his life and what he taught and what he was walking toward would begin to make sense. Yeah? Sometimes you've got to go through it before you have proper perspective of where you've been with him. Because hindsight is what? 2020. Hindsight's 2020. Those understandings, those clarifying perspectives, they often come later. That's true for the disciples that Jesus called that were following him then. And it's true for all that Jesus has called to follow him. And so what does this mean for me today? It means this. If you're having a hard time figuring out what in the world God is doing in your life today, you're not alone. You're not alone. Take a breath. You're in a room filled with people who are right there with you. Perhaps you expected something different than what God's allowing you to experience in your life in this season. If that's your reality, but that's not what you were expecting, let me encourage you to do something. <sighs> Take a breath. Look up. And give God a little bit of space. 
Give him a little bit of space to keep working in your life. He knows where you are. He knows where you've been. And he knows where he's leading you. So take a breath. Take a breath. Give God a little more time. Because God's always up to something. He's always working. He's constantly at work in ways that we may not fully realize. And so as today you may find yourself in this alignment tension of your expectations and your reality, let me encourage you to do two things Two things that we see the people in the text doing. When that triumphal entry unfolds on that Palm Sunday, as Jesus comes riding in on the donkey, we see two things. One of the things that we see happening is that people entrusted what they had into the care of Jesus. Would you take an out loud note with me here in just a second? Can we put that first one up here? Would you say this with me? People entrusted what they had into the care of Jesus. You know, what, 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 what are you talking about? Well, if you look back at Mark chapter 11, we, we see this happening with the people allowing Jesus to use their donkey. It's Mark 11, verses 1 through 7. Isn't that what we see happening? We see some people entrusting what they had right into the care of Jesus or his representatives. Think about that just for a second. We have no idea how the simplest thing may be used by God Almighty in a really big way. I mean, think about it. We saw it depicted on the little screen here, on the little video. But, but I mean, if you're a fly on the wall in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, and that's your donkey. That's your donkey. The Lord needs it. Okay. Do you really think those individuals had any idea we'd be talking about their story over 2,000 years later? No is the correct answer. No way. No way. But what did they do? They just entrusted what they had into the care of Jesus. So what am I saying here? If you're in a season of life where, man, this, your reality and your expectations are having a tension attack here, and you're like going, what in the world's going on? What I'm encouraging you and me to do is to be open-handed. To be open-handed with the things that God has allowed to be in your possession or in your care. And just live open-handedly and offer all that you have, whatever that is as well as who you are, to the purposes of God. Just start your day like this. 
rather than like this. Oh. Just, just take a breath, take a step back and go, let me reposition here. Everything I've got, Lord, it's before you. W whatever you want to do. And just see what God might do next. Just double dog dare him to do something with your life and your expectations and your reality and just see what he might do. Just, just bring him your job that seems right now not to be what you expected and trust it into the care of Jesus and just see what he might decide to do. Your skill set that could be used to volunteer, to help someone else, entrusted into the care of Jesus, and just see what he might decide to do. Entrust the time that you have to call, to reach out, to make a reconnection with a friend or a neighbor, or maybe a family member that's just kind of drifted off the radar screen of your life. And entrust that an intentional action of care if you put that intentional action into the hands of Jesus, just see what he might do. The smallest gesture of a phone call or a handwritten letter, a reconnection attempt, watch what he may decide to do. The littlest gesture entrusted into the care of Jesus might be used in a large and significant way. I mean, what was said in that video was powerful and true. The character said this, We got to be used by God that day because you said what? Yes. When everybody else would have said what? Say it with me. No. Don't be a no person. Be a yes person. You go, that's counterintuitive. Being a yes man, being a yes woman. Mm -hmm. to God, put your yes on the table. Put your yes before the Lord and see what God does. Be open-handed with the things that God's allowed to be in your possession, allowed to be in your care. Offer whatever you have, as well as who you are, to the purposes of God and just see what happens next. What does it look like for you to put your yes on the table I believe he may begin to work in you and through you in ways that you and I never even imagined. So here's a question for you to talk through at lunch today. If you have your phone, take it out. Take a picture of this and talk through it at lunch today. What might God want you to say yes to in your life this week? What might God want you to say yes to in your life this week? A second thing from the text, and we'll wrap it up here, is this. We see this happening in the story. In Mark chapter 11, verses 8 through 10, the people at the Palm Parade chose to celebrate. The people at the Palm Parade chose to celebrate. Would you say this word with me? Celebrate. Celebrate. Make a choice to rejoice in God even if your expectations aren't being met. 
Like the people in the streets of Jerusalem, keep singing the songs, friends. Keep chanting the truths of, of, of what you know is true about who God is based on God's word. Keep worshiping, keep looking up, keep coming before him with open hands, offering whatever you have into his care. And keep lifting your eyes, lifting your voice, offering your life to him. That's worship. That is worship. Friends, it's been said that a person cannot worry and worship at the same time. So make the choice to rejoice today. Lift your voice in praise this day rather than in complaining and criticizing. How different would your week be if you went a full week without complaining or criticizing anything or anybody? My week would be different. What a great week to start, right? Holy week? <laughs> yeah. Declare that God is who he says he is, that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And you will give him the most glory that you can possibly give when you approach him with hearts of worship and celebration. And so as you make that choice to rejoice in God today, when you make the choice to praise him and declare truth about who he is and what he's up to, regardless of what the circumstances of your life may say, I want you to remember a few things. Listen to me. God sees you. God hears you. God knows you. God loves you. And God has a plan for you. There's your screensaver for the week. Take a picture of that and do not let go of those truths. God sees you, God hears you, God knows you, God loves you, and God has a plan for you. For you as an individual, for your family, for this church, for our community, for our state, for our nation, for this world. God sees you. God hears you, God knows you, God loves you, and God has a plan for you. And if your expectations and reality are not in alignment today, what are you supposed to do? Keep waiting, keep hoping, keep entrusting, and keep praising. Your king has not forgotten you. And in time, you will see and you will experience all that the Messiah has in store for you. You stay available with your yes on the table. And you continue praising him. And just watch what will happen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Feel free to distribute this recording. But please, do not sell or alter it in any way. For more information about Arapahoe Road Baptist Church, please visit our website at arapahoeroad.org.
Arapahoe Road Baptist Church is located at 2256 Arapahoe Road in Garland, Texas, with Sunday morning worship service at 10.45 a.m. We hope you'll join us this week.